everyone. I'm Wendy Pirelli. And I'm Emily Hill. Welcome to our new show, Dude, Where's My Pipeline? To kick off our first episode, we want to talk about some of the top challenges that are facing demand gen marketers today. Why? Well, because sometimes it's just nice to know that other people are going through the same things that we're going through. You know, we feel less alone. It kind of helps combat those feelings of imposter syndrome that I think we all have felt. And, you know, because of that also, it can help us feel comfortable reaching out to others to collaborate, knowing again, that they're going through the same thing that we are. Yeah, that's right. We asked our community on LinkedIn and boy, did they have some thoughts? Yeah, they did. Steven Dunstan, who is the VP of marketing at Avoma, told us that demand gen is the elastic girl between what's possible and what's in the forecast. And I got to admit, I didn't know who that was, but I did Google it and I have seen the movie, The Incredibles, which is what he's referring to. Did you know who he was talking about, Wendy? A little bit. I had to Google it myself. Yes. (laughs) Well, I think he's right. The cartoon, The Incredibles, this character, her superpower is having the ability to shape shift and, you know, extend Stretch Armstrong, which I think a lot of us can relate to depending on your generation, but basically she can pull things together. So I think he's right. I think that was a suit of him, you know, demand gen team are often pulled between the expectations of the business and the reality of what's possible. What do you think, Wendy? Yeah. You know, I've been doing this a long time as have you, Emily, you know, demand gen teams are always put in this position of this is what the sales organization and the business needs versus this is what we can get done with the budget that we have or the expectations that we, the the team that we have, the expectations that we know um, how things will convert. So yeah, we're always pulled in different directions as to everybody's expectations, including our own. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the topic at hand. Like we said, we asked demand gen pros, you know, what is the hardest part of being a demand gen professional? Yeah. So, so first off, lots of folks responded to to the post that we made, like we mentioned, and one of the top things was lead volume, right? Just not enough leads. You know, we feel the same way sometimes just not enough leads, not enough good quality leads, but not enough leads. Jennifer Murphy, a good friend of mine, the CMO over five, nine said she can never get enough leads no matter what she does. Yeah. And the data supports this research from CSO insights says that 68% of B2B companies struggle with lead gen also related to struggles with lead quantity volume is quality. And I think we'd be remiss by not including that as part of our list. You know, according to demand gen report, 73% of B2B marketers say focusing on lead quality is their top priority. And like we said, since so many people struggle with lead gen, there needs to be more of a connect between the two. And it could seem like you don't have an issue with lead volume on the surface as well, but all of those leads won't mean much if they're not high quality. So Wendy, can you tell us a little bit about what you think makes a high quality lead, please? Yeah, sure. If you think about it, obviously on the surface, a high quality lead is, you know, somebody that obviously fits your ideal customer profile. They engaged with something, right? They filled out a form or responded to an email or attended a webinar, what have you. And the information is accurate. I think that's the first layer. The second layer of quality is where are they at in the buying cycle? Because obviously somebody just browsing for a best practice on an industry problem, it's very different than somebody who's ready to buy your product, right? And so knowing where the person is in their buying process is just as important as the data quality. On the note of data quality though, there is a great stat that shows the DOS Department of Labor says approximately 30% of the workforce is now changing jobs every 12 months. I guess we all, you know, officially have ADHD and can't stay in our jobs for more than a year. 
thought it was just me. And that research by LinkedIn shows that almost half of all employees are actively seeking a job, even when they have a job. So, you know, keeping your data fresh is really challenging now, as we saw the great resignation, right? It's really hard to make sure that your database is updated and that, you know, the people engaging are really the people at those companies. So data quality, and then also knowing where your customers are in their buying cycle leads to quality of conversion. So two things to keep in mind. Thank you so much. Next up, we have misalignment with sales. So according to LinkedIn, 90% of sales and marketing professionals point to a number of disconnects across strategy, process, content, and culture. And 60% of sales and marketing pros also believe that misalignment between the two could damage financial performance, which I think makes sense. And, you know, upwards of 87% of leaders, they say collaboration between sales and marketing enables critical business growth. So I think those all kind of complement each other. What do you think, Wendy? Yeah, there's another stat out there that shows that Marketo reports of sales and marketing alignment can help your company become 67% better at closing deals and can help you generate over 200% more revenue for marketing. Wow. So let's talk about some of the issues that our marketing friends pointed out. Sales and marketing teams seem to disagree about a few things. Yeah. So I think that, I think the issue of sales and marketing alignment is super, super important. Again, been around for a long time and I see it as one of the main challenges that companies face. A good friend of mine, Jess Weimer, who is the senior vice president of revenue and growth marketing at Podium said, Hey, leads don't equal people signing conversions are required. So you don't want to disregard them just because they're not ready to buy right now. That's always a great opportunity to nurture them. But if you can find a lead that is ready to buy right now. I mean, imagine how happy your sales organization would be, right? That's what they want. They want people that want to buy all day long. So it's knowing which are the right leads at the right times and what you do with them as you get them. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing is that getting follow-up to happen seems to be an issue for a lot of folks. So Beth Demersian, director of digital marketing at VMware said, getting sales to follow up on leads we deliver is her biggest struggle. And I think we've all kind of been there. We've all felt that, that difficulty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've seen it everywhere, right? You send over a bunch of leads and you're like, is anybody going to call these? It's been three months. I'm sure they've moved on. So it's a big problem, right? So a good, another good friend of mine, CMO at Next Edge, Erica Hilgeman says, having sales actually admit that your marketing activities contributed to a deal that they closed. I think that's another challenge that we see. You know, it's funny because marketing doesn't get paid differently <laughs> if they contribute to a sales lead or not, right? And so that alignment between sales and marketing is there to essentially make sure that we're feeding the sales organization with the contacts that have shown interest, they're ready to buy. And so while the sales team's comp has changed, if they can close a deal, our comp has not changed if we send you good quality leads. So that alignment, there should never be a concern about if marketing's helping you, that's their role. And I just want to comment something else, which is I asked a CRO just the other day, why does that tension happen? Why does that tension live in the system? And the response was, you know, sometimes salespeople are afraid that admitting that marketing is helping them makes them look less, less like a salesperson, that they weren't able to do it without marketing's help. And I just want to say, that's our role. You should have no fear in admitting it. I mean, that's our function. Um, so that myth needs to be busted in lots of organizations that you are no better of a salesperson if marketing helps you. That relationship has to work well, or you're not going to, you're not going to go anywhere. So uh, something to think about. 
yeah, we as marketers are here to help sales, not, you know, butt heads with them by any means, Exactly. Uh, but it is common. I've experienced that a lot as well in, in past organizations. Next, we have the right and correct data and metrics. That's something a lot of people are struggling with. We touched on the data quality element earlier, but Wendy, has this been a challenge for you? Yeah. So I think, you know, my biggest challenge when I worked at big companies has been believing the metrics and being able to know what really worked and what didn't. I think it's so easy in a big company from a marketing perspective to just be this machine that's dumping stuff in the top of the funnel. And then you cross your fingers and you hope that it converts. And then at the end of the quarter, you get these metrics from your operations team and it's not super clear what actually worked. I know, again, lots of big companies, it's very frustrating because you don't know what's converting, what's not converting, why is it converting better than something else? And so the luxury that we have at smaller companies is we can be super maniacal about what worked, what didn't, what's converting, how can we help? And I think it really opens your eyes to understanding like the levers that can be moved to make a big difference. So yeah, I feel for my colleagues in big companies because it's a lot of times very hard to show the value that you truly brought to the team that everybody believes. I think that's the other myth is a lot of times marketing will believe it, but sales won't believe it. Right. And so that's part of the metric equation. That's really hard in big companies. Yeah, I agree. I also feel for folks in big companies. I've historically mostly worked at startups and that's been great because it's, I can actually see the impact that I'm making and so can others. It's definitely, I think a bigger challenge, like you said, in bigger companies. Jennifer Murphy at five, nine, who we mentioned earlier says broadening the scope of understanding of which metrics matter is a challenge for her as well. She said that not everything that counts has to be lead centric. And I was curious, like what you think about that, Wendy? Yeah. I mean, obviously from the perspective of a CMO, right. She's probably thinking of something, other things that aren't leads, right? Like your brand awareness, your voice in the market, your social presence, your leverage from PR, right. All of those other elements, but just from a demand perspective, she's probably also thinking, I mean, we're starting to see a little bit of a shift where, you know, more people want to do ABM and doing ABM doesn't mean that you get 10,000 leads, right? It means you get engagement with the key seven people in the company. And so I think, you know, companies are starting to move to how do we do ABM and look at the people that really matter and if the people that matter are actually engaging with us as a metric, as opposed to just the volume of numbers game. So, so yeah, that's probably something that she's thinking about as well. Okay. Thanks so much for your insight. I think that was helpful. So next is really misalignment with leadership. Integrated marketing consultant, Candace Lips says she's had a hard time with leadership, understanding that there's really no silver bullet in marketing. And it's a true mix of activity and process that drives pipeline. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with her again. I've had an experience where a GM in an organization had asked me to drive more awareness for a program. And so I built an entire program to drive awareness. And he asked, how many leads will this get? You know, so often our executives don't understand that there's a difference between how you measure awareness and how you measure pipeline and leads. And so that can be a very frustrating conversation because they always want it to convert to, well, how much business will I get from this? So, you know, having that conversation in a way that accomplishes their goals is that, you know, 
you always got to kind of navigate it to get to really what do they want versus what did they say they want. Another good friend of mine, JJ Jeffries, hey JJ out there, head of demand gen at TouchCast agrees calling out wanting more freedom to test. He says there's so much fluff out there among demand gen with buzzwords and proclamations acting as if there's only one true way. But in reality, there's always multiple ways to achieve success, many of which are unknown and have many different variables. He believes in community and collaboration, something he says can be difficult as a demand gen professional to both find internally and externally. And so for JJ, he's right. You know, testing is one of the beauties of being in marketing, right? Especially with digital, you can do A-B tests on everything. You can test the color of a button. You can test the list. You can test everything to see what works. And I think, again, a lot of times we don't just in the essence of time and wanting to see results, but you know, he's got a great point. How do we get smarter about what works and what doesn't? And as far as community goes, we'll have some information for you about how you can get some help on community. Yeah. Yeah. Be sure to keep listening till the end. And finally, hiring is another tough part of being a demand gen professional, hiring great demand gen folks who understand and can really work the whole process. It's a struggle for a lot of people getting those unicorn demand gen heroes who can understand and who know how to work the whole process. It can be super challenging. Aaron Canale, Global Demand and Operations at Armis says, you really need folks that can architect integrated campaigns, understand and build content strategy, construct digital journeys, know how to drive new acquisition and partner with product marketing and sales. She goes on to say she needs folks who know how to analyze, to tune and test people who have a high sense of urgency on pipeline and lead pacing. There's so many things someone who can be a great planner, a strategic thinker, drive the marketing mix allocation, have familiarity with the routes to market and channels and tactics, you know, what works to drive sales. I mean, the list goes on. It's kind of crazy. Of course you want somebody who can do all of that, but can one person do all of that all the time. What do you think about that and how you hire for, for demand gen folks, Wendy? Yeah. So Aaron and I have worked together in the past. We're cut from the same cloth a little bit. I mean, this is really, this is the diamond in the rough. If you can find somebody who can do all of these things, you never let them go away. Like you do whatever you can to make these people happy. And I'm sure, you know, people have noticed in the market that the need, the demand for good demand gen people is crazy because again, they know businesses know when you find a good person who can do this, they are the heartbeat of building a pipeline to make your sales team happy. And so it really truly is all of these things. And, you know, sometimes there's people who are really great at content and sometimes there's people who are really great at analytics and there might be people who are really great at the operations and the process stuff. But when you can bring all of those things together, that's the unicorn, as she mentioned. My philosophy on the demand and stuff is I think it's an evolution. Again, a lot of people start with one or two of those skill sets in their bag, and it's just a matter of time for them to continue to work in the field to see how to add those other elements. I mean, obviously, if you hire somebody who's like, I hate math. I hate looking at numbers. Obviously, they're never going to pick up the analytic part, right? But maybe they're phenomenal at the other parts. Then you just need to know that the gap in your hiring and you hire somebody maybe in operations who's phenomenal at it to complement that person's skill set. So yes, if you could find somebody who could do all of this, it would be amazing. But it's, it is truly hard to find somebody who can do it all. So you know, understanding how they fit within the other strengths in your team is kind of the key, I think. Yeah, of course it's ideal that one person could do everything, but also they wouldn't have time to do it all anyway. It's like, <laughs> good point. 
So, you know, being able to put a team together who can all complement each other is definitely ideal. So there we have it. The top six hardest things about being a demand gen pro, according to our friends within the community. Again, they are having enough leads, the quality of their leads, misalignment with sales, having the right data and metrics, misalignment with leadership, and hiring great demand gen folks. Yeah, we wanted to talk about this today because we often feel that our struggles happen in a vacuum. And we're here to tell you that you're not alone in these challenges that you're working through. Obviously, you know, these are felt at the individual contributor level all the way up to the CMO level, right? Like we all feel them. We've all been in these shoes, but this can lend to resolving our feelings of the imposter syndrome or feeling comfortable reaching out to others to collaborate. So we hope that this episode helped you see that the things that you're struggling with are things that other people are struggling with. And there's help out there. We are collectively as a community of demand gen folks, and there's folks that are new to the field and there's folks that have been around for a long time. And we want to be part of that community for you. So, you know, reach out to us. Yeah. And if you have any questions or other ideas or thoughts to add to the discussion, you know, feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn or join our community that we talked about a little bit earlier. We sort of alluded to, which is on Facebook. It's called Tech Demand Gen Spot. And we'll put our info for LinkedIn as well as the info to get into that community in our show notes as well. So it's easy to find for you. And until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to keep getting this sweet show in your podcast feed. Every time a new episode drops, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's everywhere. And don't forget, also tell a friend, dude. Special thanks to PeerSpot for sponsoring our show. PeerSpot is the buying intelligence platform where tech pros learn about enterprise products before buying. And along with that, PeerSpot, helps demand gen marketers fill their pipeline with high quality bottom of the funnel leads and create voice of customer content for all stages of the buyer's journey. So for more info about demand gen and how to fuel your pipeline, you can check out marketing.peerspot.com.